This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast, Ring Before Spring. I think we're episode five or six. I got to go back and look at which one it is. Joined by Kendall Cout. Kendall, great to have you on the uh, pod. We'd love to talk about that awesome performance against Texas Tech yesterday. Also touch on the Texas game last Monday since we haven't talked about that. And then look ahead to the week ahead. How are you doing today? Uh, doing excellent. Always a good day in America, Cameroon, the world, when Jonathan Chambler Chachua <laughs> is playing basketball. Yeah, man, what a, what an inspiration that was to see him out there on the court. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I think Baylor fans need to be a little bit cautious with their with their uh, projections that this is automatically going to make us a national title favorite, you know. But I do think there's just something tangible about his energy and his uh, communication skills and his leadership that, you know, seems to give this team that extra jolt that might really – kick them in from you know very good to to the elite you know top three four five teams in america would you agree with that do you think that's a fair assessment i think it's fair the two things i've framed this year on are first it's not a good year for college basketball right purdue gets beat at indiana you can be like that's a tough venue to play at but indiana's on what their fifth coach is going to be bobby knight in a row and has not been so i'm not impressed by purdue houston's played nobody Alabama just got walloped by a team that might be playing the worst basketball of anybody in the Big 12 once they play conference games right. in Oklahoma. Uh, th- this title's here for the taking for somebody. And so I do think it's fair, Ashley, to say, listen, John, if he's only playing 15 to 20 minutes a night still into March, that's asking a lot to say this team's going to be the national title favorite. You also get a little worried about did the injury luck stay proper the rest of the way? I mean, with how Jalen Bridges is flying – Adam Flagler gets banged up. Can Alge Cryer's feet stay as good as they've been all year? Yes, there are some worries with them. But that's the most excited I've felt watching Baylor all season after yesterday, where it was just when Tech got up 17-12, and then Baylor just said no. Better program, better school, better basketball team, better fans, <laughs> better players, better city, better food, better everything, and did it. I, I just feel bad for Mark Adams. I mean, he seems like a nice cat. And I liked on your uh, post-game show, Ashley, you all did a great job when uh, that caller asked John if he knew about who Austin Powers was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Austin Powers, then we threw out the Janet Reno and the Pat from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, it would be cool if if John was like, oh, yeah, I know Janet Reno, uh, real big deal in Cameroon. We we studied her, one of our favorite attorney generals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a generation gap thing for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it, yeah, I, I think that the funniest thing about looking at the uh, Ken Palm uh, box score from yesterday, well, there's two things that really stuck out. One was when Tech was up 17-12 to 12 with like nine minutes left in the first half, Baylor's win percentage was still almost 70%, which is pretty funny. Uh, just kind of talks about how, you know, those two teams are just, you know, night and day as far as, you know, you know, what expectations are and, and what they put on paper so far. Uh, the second thing is I don't ever think I've seen – I'd have to go back in the archives and look pretty hard for, you know, a team to get less than 10% of their offensive rebounds. That's that's a pretty amazing stat to me that, you know, Baylor was able to collect, uh, what, 28 of the 31 missed shots that Texas, Texas Tech had. I mean, you know, especially given Tech's level of athleticism, uh, you, you might see that against maybe – a team with, you know, nothing but three-point shooters who are, you know, are, are j- just undersized. But, you know, for a Texas Tech team that has good athletes, that's a pretty surprising stat. And and also, especially given 
you know, the types of bricks that Tech throws up. I mean, those are hard uh, defensive rebounds to get at times. I mean, those those some of those shots just really take some funny bounces off the rim. They're, they come off so hard. So, I mean, that's that is a pretty amazing stat. Yeah, great defensive rebounding. There's not a lot positive right now if you're Texas Tech to take away from yesterday. And we're obviously not a Texas Tech pod, but I feel bad for him. I just don't think there's almost anything positive you can take away from the direction of that program. And that's what good teams should do. They yeah. don't pull an LSU and lose to Tech, or they don't pull an Iowa State and blow a 23-point lead. You build a big lead, you put the foot down, and you hammer Texas Tech. That was a championship-level performance. They looked like a tough team. KU goes into Ames, can't get the job done. K-State has a double-digit lead over Texas, Oof. can't close the door. I mentioned Baylor is still well within this national or this Big 12 championship hunt. Texas probably needs to lose a game along the way. Baylor maybe can only lose in Lawrence to feel comfortable about their spot. But the, the race is not over yet, and you just need somebody to pop Texas along the way. And they still got to play KU twice, and I think they'll still whip these guys proverbially into shape or get them kind of on the right track again. So I like where KU will probably be heading eventually. I think they'll be a challenger to Texas. Yeah, I mean, your your blueprint to win the Big 12 for Baylor is really, you know, two things in my opinion. You've got to sweep the bottom four teams in the conference. And, you know, going to OSU and getting a win is is, is absolutely the toughest of, of that, uh, you know, those, those uh, tasks. And then you can't get swept by anybody. You're going to have to win the games at home that you've already lost on the road. Or go go to you know places like TCU and Kansas State and return the favor, um, you know which I which I think you know Baylor has a good possibility of doing both those things as, as hard as those games will be to win on the road, and then the you know the other thing is uh, you know the Kansas game is kind of a bonus if you can go into Allen Fieldhouse and play well. This is one of Kansas's weakest teams that they've had in memory, you know so they it's an opportunity to go there and and do something you've never done before, and that's uh, sweep the Jayhawks. So. Uh, you know there is a there is a path, and, and certainly Jonathan Chamochachua uh, is a big reason why. But the other reason, I man, I loved from yesterday. I love the efficiency of Keontae George and Adam Flagler, and even though L.J. Cryer and Langston Love didn't score as much, eight assists between those two guys and, and zero turnovers, and and a few uh, should have been assists. You know, like the one that I think L.J. threw to. Caleb Lohner and, and he front-rimmed a dunk, you know, that should have been an easy bucket. I mean, there was there was just really good playmaking by those guards. I loved how they broke the press, you know, got easy dunk opportunities for either Flo or Josh or or Caleb, you know, in, or John, an easy layup for John uh, at one point. Uh, that That's really efficient offense. And, you know, I think, you know, Jalen Bridges, uh, once again, we can't sing his praises enough. In the Big 12, he is the most efficient player, according to Ken Palm, in the entire conference. And, and, and you know, in Big 12 play. Uh, and he's just stuffing the stat sheet. I mean, he's got a 131 offensive rating. He's uh, second in effective field goal percentage. He's uh, fifth in offensive rebounding percentage. He's ninth in defense rebounding percentage. He's 14th in turnover rate. He's seventh in block percentage. He's number one in two-point field goal percentage. He's number 11 in three-point field goal percentage, all the way up to 37% in conference play. Uh, so those are huge stats and, and a big reason why Baylor is, uh, you know, peaking at the right time and starting to play some really good basketball. Well, they've won seven of eight, right? Absolutely. What a turnaround, too. In Vegas, I left thinking, you know, hopefully this is just a bad two games, but the man scored two points in Las Vegas on 0 of 3 shooting, and South Dakota Drew Timmy stood two steps away from him on the perimeter and didn't give him any respect, and now he's just been so dominant. I know Hambone on our board has been kind of leading the charge all year. 
that he felt like this guy could get it going. And with John, with how he was picking and popping, he plays a little bit like what Oklahoma wishes Tanner Groves could be. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, Baylor's good everywhere at the guard spot where you just ask for Leon Grant and Sherfield. And you want to get a little feisty or a little crazy. You can start thinking, could John possibly play some power forward down the stretch yeah. to spell Jalen for a few minutes if he's shooting threes like that? And when you have a second big who can guard on the perimeter like John, it becomes a lot tougher to score on the interior. And that might be where you start talking about the tournament. If Baylor needs a good five minutes of defense, do you put Flo and John in at the same time? Two years ago, you wouldn't have done that. But that three-point shot looked reproducible to me. I think John's going to be a good three-point shooter. He's not going to take five a game, but I think he could hit two or three in a lot of contests. Yeah, I, I talked to him for 20 minutes or so Friday night because uh, we were talking about the the uh, post-game call-in show and, and just, uh, you know, different things. And I, so I was asking him a bunch of questions. And, you know, one of the things comments he made to me, I teased it a little bit on the post-game show, but he said, I'm not going to go catch, you know, lobs at 12 feet like I used to, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. But he said, I like my game better now. Like, I, he goes, you know, I've been shooting 500 threes a day. You know, I've, I've just – it's given me an opportunity to really step back and study, you know, film and scouting and, and really understand the game from a mental aspect. I mean, just not surprising given given what we know about his work ethic and his character. I mean, he's just a guy that just, um, you know, just lives to perfect his craft. And, and he just, once again, you know, shows that, uh, you know, he can reinvent himself after a serious injury and, you know, yeah, like like you mentioned, I mean, we're not expecting him to be a 100% three-point shooter by any stretch of the imagination, but it's probably not crazy to think he can be a 40% three-point shooter. I mean, are you going to leave L.J. Cryer, Adam Flagler, Keontae George open? I mean, it, it, it's most likely that you're going to leave Jalen Bridges and, and Jonathan open uh, from three. So, I, you know, I do think he's going to get a lot of open looks. Yes, and the way defense have been designed against Baylor – the best one all season has been when you just trap Baylor's guards like Iowa State did to force Flo Thamba or someone else to make plays. Well, if John's hitting that shot from both 15 feet and the three, you can't really trap Baylor's guards. But on the other hand, you don't want to force just your guy to go over the top of Baylor's guards because they're probably not going to get around John because of how wide he can set screens, which I broke down in a video that I just put up on the site um, a few minutes before we started potting, Ashley. Or you drop back into the paint. Well, Keontae George with Elaine going to be a problem and with how well Langston Love is shooting and Jalen shooting and as you mentioned we know how good Adam and LJ are from three this is the Baylor team we thought we could get and I'm just really optimistic if they can stay healthy like if you tell me Baylor has everybody healthy when the NCAA tournament bracket comes out I think Baylor's going to go the farthest of any big 12 team yeah I agree you know it's interesting uh, so how do you handicap the big 12 race you know right now Obviously, uh, Texas has a huge advantage, especially after winning at Kansas State. That was a really big win, avenging their home loss to Kansas State. They're projected at 13-5 and five by Ken Palm. And then you got Iowa State and Kansas at 11-7. and seven. You got Baylor, TCU, and Kansas State at 10-8, and eight, and Oklahoma State at 9-9. Nine and nine. Uh, You know, I still think I, – I just think it's going to be 12, maybe 13 games that wins the Big 12, but more likely 12. Uh, so – I think if you can get to 12, you got a good shot of at least, you know, tying for the conference uh, title. You know, do you think Texas, they've been playing a lot of close games. And I got to, I got to admit, you know, I, obviously Rodney Terry's done a great job of coaching and keeping the, uh, the train on the tracks, so to speak. 
But, you know, I, I do wonder if this is a similar situation to, you know, Texas Tech, and it's going to be the easy choice just to keep him. And then two years later we look up and we're like, oh, boy, they're, they're doing a coaching search again. Uh, do you think he's a long-term fit at Texas? And do you think they're going to have more stumbles uh, on the second half of the schedule? Because the first half of their, their schedule was a little easier than the second half, including a game at Kansas uh, tomorrow night. Two good questions, actually. I worry for Rodney Terry if Texas hires him long-term. Is here Bruce Weber? And what I mean by that is very elite in-game coaches where if you gave him a roster and said, get the best result for the roster we have, Bruce Weber was an unbelievable coach. I think Rodney Terry shown he is too, about maximizing the ability of that roster he has to win games. I mean, Bruce Weber was in the championship game at Illinois with Darren Williams, had some really good years at K-State, but the recruiting aspect and building a roster year after year was challenging. So that's where that Mark Adams piece comes in. We don't know about that. But what I've been so impressed with by Rodney Terry is that Serge Ibari Rice is way better than Arturia Morris. Yeah. And I think this is where the coaching change probably helped Texas. That Rodney Terry, I think, probably just thinks they may not give me a shot if I don't win a lot of games this year. And I have no loyalty to Arturio Morris. Well, I think if Chris Beard were here still in Austin, he'd say, I got to keep playing Morris because I can't recruit one and done five star talent if I put him on the bench or only play him five minutes a night. So that's why they're better. I do worry if you're a Texas fan, that final three-game stretch where you have – or four-game stretch, excuse me, home against Iowa State, at Baylor, at TCU, home against KU. That is a brutal way to end your season if you are still in the thick of it. So that's where if you're Texas, you probably want at least a two-game lead going into those final four games because those are all very losable contests. I like Texas's roster. I think where they fit in the broader Big 12 is that they could easily win this league. I think, I think everybody in that top six could win it. I'm more probably bearish on K-State than the field is because I've said all along it is difficult to just rely upon two guys like they do with Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson and not expect them to wear down. I've been a little bit more bearish on Iowa State as well, but how well they played against KU and how hard all of TJ Otzelberger's teams play, it's not crazy to think they could finish at the top as well. And if you were going to be a little sour on TCU, I think you'd say, are they just a little bit too banged up with what Mike Miles has dealt with with that hyperextended knee? Eddie Lampkin missing some games, but another tough team with Damon Baugh and company that gets down big against Oklahoma State, comes back, kind of runs out of gas at the end against an Oklahoma State team, by the way, who is really beating expectations now. I think that top yeah. seven, if you start including Oklahoma State, even West Virginia against OU, there's just a big gap between all those teams, and it shows with the Big 12 is all about athletes. And Oklahoma doesn't have the athletes, and that's where Porter Mosher's been lost. And Texas Tech, I don't think, has the athletes one through five like they need to have. And that's what separates them from the Baylors, the TCUs, the Texases of the world. And so a lot to get in play with Big 12 play. My big point there would just be anybody at the top could still win it. I'd rather be Texas than anybody else to win the league. I'd rather be Baylor than anybody else to win a national championship at the Big 12. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I, I, I agree with your comments there. You know, and, and once again, if, if Baylor can get these three guards playing with a lot more efficiency – I shared the stat. I, I talked to, to Jonathan about it in the post-game call-in show yesterday, but 1.4 points per possession when they run the play that's called and get a post-touch and, uh, you know, only 0 0.5 points per possession if they revert to the high ball screen at the end of a shot clock. Uh, that's probably true for a lot of teams, but, you know, just shows you how efficient they can be if they just refine, you know, making sure that their execution on the plays that are called is, is – uh, you know, really top-notch down the stretch because this is a team that can just 
put points up, you know, and flurries, uh, you know, they scored 12 points in the first nine or 11 minutes against Texas Tech, and they score 77 in the next uh, 29 minutes. You know, that's that's a that's a huge a lot of points per per minute there. So so I think I think it just shows you how good this Baylor team could be offensively. And the defense is improving a lot. You know, you take away that game in Lubbock and the defense has actually been really good uh, since they started this winning streak, you know, seven of the last eight. So, so I, so I do think there's a lot of reason for Baylor fans to be optimistic. And especially with the return of Jonathan, I, I think that'll make a big difference uh, on the defensive end. It will. And the offense, as you mentioned, actually being this good when the guards and Baylor haven't shot super well lately. And with John coming back, the offense, I think can take it to another level too. So health, health, health is the whole deal. Good to see Jalen Bridges after that hard fall on the dunk get up and play so effectively in the second half. Langston, after whatever he was battling uh, to miss the Texas game, I think if Langston plays against Texas, Baylor wins that game. So if you tell me this team's healthy, I like their shot. That's my just one concern is you got a few guys that their history tell tell, tells you they're tough dudes, but there's that injury concern with all of them uh, beyond Keontae George. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Baylor's got eight games left. Uh, four of them are at home four of them away uh so they they got an even split of of you know games as far as that's concerned uh same with kansas kansas has four at home and four away uh looking at texas i think they're since they just went on the road i think they're the same four at home and four away uh and then iowa state let me look at them they've got yeah same thing four four home four away so uh everybody's kind of in the same boat you know you got to take care of home court and uh Hope that you can steal some games on the road. And, you know, Baylor's obviously got one that they should win on Wednesday with Oklahoma coming to town. Uh, Oklahoma, what a weird team. You know, what a weird, uh, you know, 10 days, I guess you could say. They, you know, they, well, you know, first of all, uh, they, Baylor goes there and gives them a, you know, they give Baylor a fit. And, and Baylor barely walks out with the win, 62 to 60. Then they go on the road against TCU and get, clobbered they lose by 27 and then they play Alabama and they beat Alabama by 24 points uh you know top five team in the nation I think they were number two when they when when Alabama went in into uh, Oklahoma and then and then uh, Oklahoma State they go uh they got Oklahoma State at home and they lose by 10 and then West Virginia just clobbers them 32 points on the road uh Eric Stevenson has has you know another incredible game uh he also played really well against auburn he he scores 34 points and uh you know you know just couldn't miss like what do you make of them i mean do you think it's just what you said earlier they just don't have the athletes so they're you know it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of games like that where they just get overwhelmed athletically i think lack of athletes i think offensively i mean you look at their ken palm horrible at turning it over don't offensive rebound don't get to the line uh not, not a good recipe for anybody and what a just disappointing week if you're Oklahoma. I mean, you have a chance to end the week 14-9, and 4-6 and six in the Big 12 against two teams that in your soul you probably think you're better than with Oklahoma State and West Virginia. And you lose by 10 at home to OK State. Not didn't even feel like a 10-point game. They were way down for most of it. Right. And then just absolutely housed last night by West Virginia. I mean, at halftime, you were like, why are they even coming out of the locker room in the second half? So radically disappointing team. If you're OU – and you want any sharp shot, I'm like, man, what am I saying here? <laughs> if you want any shot at an at-large bid, you have to beat Baylor at Baylor, 
And then I think you got to beat KU at home this week. So Porter Mosher's got to turn it around. I don't think they'll fire him after just a couple of years. But to get a guy like Porter, who had been at the Final Four at Loyola, who beat Illinois in a 116 or a 1-9 game, excuse me, after so many people thought Illinois would make the Final Four following their Big Ten championship. I don't know what's happened to him there. I think he's kind of recognized that the Groves brothers are good, but you got to get better athletes. I just don't see it for OU. It would be a really disappointing loss for Baylor at home after how close the last game was and knowing OU season really is on the precipice. For the Big 12, take out some SEC foes. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I mean, and, and, and Baylor, they should have Baylor's attention after, you know, Baylor struggle with them in Norman. So hopefully the Bears are motivated and, and come out and take care of business uh, like they did against Texas Tech after the first 10-minute uh, period. Yeah, that game last night, I think it was like 27-22 to 22 at one point, and I turned it off to go do some other things, and then I checked the halftime score, and I was like, whoa, 56-30? to 30? <laughs> I mean, what happened here, you know? Uh, so West Virginia really poured it on that at the end of that first half and then just uh, kept the, you know, the, the pedal on the metal in the second half. You know, I think uh, they did. A, Baylor did a really good job uh, with with Sherfield in that first game. Jalen Hill hurt him quite a bit. I uh, thought he was the best player for OU, and he did a he did a fantastic job uh, covering Adam Flagler most of the game. So it'll be interesting to see what wrinkles Scott Drew and staff throw at uh, OU in Waco on Wednesday night. I hope the atmosphere is pretty good. It's a late game. Uh, we've had some really good atmospheres in Farrell, and I think that's given the team a lift. I, I don't expect a sellout for this one, but if you can get, you know, five to seven thousand butts in seats, and and you know, you know really give uh, the home t- home team a lift, they deserve it after how well they've been playing lately. So, uh, hopefully, a good crowd in Waco, and and we can uh, talk about another win as we head into the uh, TCU game on Saturday. Have, have you heard anything at all? I've been I've been searching the internet to see you know what the prognosis is for Mike Miles. Um, do you think he'll you think he'll play on Saturday or, or or this week, or do you think it's you know probably a couple more games before you'll see him? You know, I'm not sure, Ashley. I have not heard anything definitive on that front either. I saw them say when he hyperextended it, it was less concern than they had. I would think he would try and go if there's any possibility. But I don't know. I don't have any inside sourcing at TCU. What's kind of your feeling about that? Yeah, well, I just saw some chatter. I think Dixon's quote was, it's not season ending. And when you hear that, you sometimes think two or three weeks, you know, uh, before he's back. But, you know, I haven't, you know, they're going to play coy with that. I mean, I'm sure there's no reason for them to, you know, tip their tip their hat either way. You know, they play pretty well without him. I mean, they, they beat West Virginia soundly. Uh, well, I guess it ended up only being a four-point win. But, um you know, they were, you know, I, I, if, if memory serves me right, um, they had like a 10-point lead, like going into the final stretch. And I think West Virginia kind of closed it, made it made it interesting at the end. Uh, but then they, you know, they turn around and, and almost beat Oklahoma State after Oklahoma State had a huge lead against them. You know, I think there was one point after half where they went on like a 14-to-1 run or something along those lines, and then Oklahoma State ends up uh, holding off and beating them by six. Uh, so they got some guys playing well. Shahada Wells has been has, has been really good for them since the Kansas game. Uh, he's done some nice things, you know, and especially with the loss of Miles. Uh, they did lose to Mississippi State in overtime, but, you know, partly because of the Mike Miles injury and during the game. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I, my gut it says that Miles won't play uh, that, and that Lampkin is back, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I think – you know, they, they are still chasing a conference title, so if there's any way possible they can get him back for that game, I'm, I'm sure they're going to try. 
Yeah, I would think they have to get him back. And, you know, you don't get teams like this very often, even with as good as the coach as Jamie Dixon is. I think you got to give it a shot if you're him to get everybody back this week. So I know Baylor has always said, and Scott Drew has always mentioned after that Blake Griffin game, they prepare for the best team possible. So sure. they'll be ready for Eddie Lampkin and Mike Miles to be out there. Yeah, I mean, it's a team that Baylor was up 17 points against and, and just really – you know, I, you look at the shot chart in of that game, and it's just maddening. You know, they I think TCU made four points outside the paint. <laughs> you know, they just they and, and they scored eighty eight. So, you know that that is a, a game you wish you had over uh, because our transition defense was terrible, and and Miles got so much at the rim, and and there was just so many you know easy opportunities for them in the paint. Damian Ball, uh, Eddie Lampkin, you know everybody just you know had their shot at getting layups or, or easy you know, floaters, you know, close to the rim. And I, and I think that's where John being back really helps. You know, you're, you're not going to get those easy looks that you, that you got in the past uh, because he's, you know, just such a skilled defender. Uh, so he's going to, he's going to take away a lot of that. Absolutely. And it's a winnable game for Baylor. And this is also revenge for the 2020 team losing to Desmond Maines, Horn Frost, <laughs> Fort Worth. Get it done. Get it done. Yeah, this time. that would be great. Yeah, it's it's an exciting week for Baylor basketball. Um, exciting time to be a Big Twelve fan. Now let's talk about. Uh, I know are you you're going to be at uh, Kansas and at Kansas State. Is that right? Yep. And we'll I think Jack McKenzie's going to be at those games as well. Um, and then uh, you're going to be at the Iowa. Well, no, you, we've already played Iowa State. Um, Oklahoma State. Are you going to that game? Possibly. Uh, hopefully, it'll just kind of depend. I got a big trial in early March. But yep. they're saying meetings can be had on Zoom. So oh, leaning nice. that way right now. So we'll see. Big 12 tournament. What about that? Uh, that will depend on if a jury can get back with the evidence in time. Yep. Uh, I, I, I think that the jury should come back quickly, but we'll see if they have the guts to do it. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, well, it's, I, I'm going to be at the uh, TCU game, uh, if, you know, for sure. And then uh, what are the other – I'm not going to be at the Kansas or Kansas State games, but you got those covered. And then Oklahoma State. If if you don't go, I may I may get a wild hair and go up for that one. But uh, yeah, good times to be a Baylor fan. It's uh it's exciting time of year, and certainly a lot of optimism after Jonathan uh, Chamochachua. You know, I I I I've been saying Jonathan Chamochachua, but then I went back and looked at the video. Sean Urich uh, pointed out that if you hear him pronounce a name, it's Jonathan Chamochachua. I think is how he pronounces it. Uh, so apologies for, you know, even, even at the post game, I said, am I pronouncing it right? And he just, he kind of gave me a half hearted. Yeah. He's like, man, you're close enough. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's probably what it was all about. But, but I, but I, I think it is, Oops, sorry, had a little mic microphone <laughs> accident there. I, th I think it's a, a Jonathan Chamwa Chachua. Ooh, fair. Cause I was now thinking it was Chamwa Chachua. Yeah. So. We're going to have to get David Kay, John, Adam. <laughs> well, I've got John's. I got the video of him uh, pronouncing it, so I'll, I'll send that to you, and we can uh, try to tighten that up a little bit. We owe it to the guy. We do, and honestly, John's done so much. I would just respect it if he if he would troll different people with the pronunciation. Just <laughs> to be like, yeah, just, you think you've got it? Just keep giving different pronunci pronunciations every time he does it. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, it would be unbelievable. <laughs> Well, fun times, and uh, thank you, Kendall, for doing this. You've been listening to a Sikkim 365 Ring by Spring podcast, Sikkim Bears. Heck yeah.